I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth and Mission. The country's vaccine rollout took a big hit on Tuesday when the federal government paused the use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine due to six cases of severe side effects. How will that affect adults age 16 and up who qualify for the vaccine this week? And how will it affect California's drive to reopen the economy fully on June 15th? Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday is here to explain. Erin Alday, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Heather Knight. We haven't had an All Day and Night episode in a very long time, so I'm glad to be recording another one. Me too. I was excited when I heard it was you. <laughs> so we've had a string of good news on the vaccine front, but there was a big hiccup on Tuesday. What happened? Right. It was a pretty pretty big hiccup. You're right. Um, so the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is our big kind of one-dose, um, easy-to-store, kind of it's it's got this really kind of key... Um, place in our vaccination rollout. That vaccine, um, the the FDA and the CDC um, halted uh, use of this vaccine, and the state, California, and pretty much all the counties quickly followed suit because we had six um, cases of a really severe reaction in people after they got vaccinated. So I think it's key to point out that we don't yet know for sure that these were specifically tied to the vaccine. But these were pretty severe uh, side effects. There were people who had very serious strokes. Um, and there is definite, you know, real concern that it is connected to this vaccine. So the CDC and the FDA, out of an abundance of caution, as they put it, um, decided to, you know, halt this vaccine use and, and take kind of a closer look at these cases. What exactly happened in these six people? What was the cause of the strokes? So it's a very rare um, clotting condition. Um, we, I mean, even in, in normal circumstances, we only see a handful of these cases, um, you know, per million residents every year. It's a very, so it's it's one of those kind of one in a million sort of events um, at any given time. And it's basically a a clot forms in what the, what they call like the drainage system of the brain. So it's the vein, the veins that sort of empty blood from the brain. That's where the clot forms. And it can really cause, you know, really disastrous effects. It can be fatal um, and it can cause, you know, disabling symptoms and be be a pretty traumatic injury. Um, and it tends to, you know, occur in in younger people who are otherwise perfectly healthy, um, and, you know, that also kind of contributes to their concern about it, that you're talking about people for whom, you know, COVID-19 isn't necessarily a big risk and, and you know, are, are healthy people getting vaccinated and potentially having, you know, this serious outcome. Mm -hmm. And so they're not sure that it's because of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, but that was the common link for all the people who had this strange symptom. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think there were two things that really kind of set off the red flags. One is that these were six individuals, uh, specifically women, younger women, who all had this exact same rare condition within um, two weeks of of having gotten this Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So that was one issue. The other issue is the, these cases are similar to clotting conditions um, we'd already seen reported with the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, that's been widely reported. We've seen that. That's been pretty much proven at this point to be caused or be related to that vaccine um, and has caused a really big problem with the vaccine distribution um, in Europe and some other countries. So, you know, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine both kind of use the same mechanics. They're the same type of vaccine. So the fact that we're seeing a similar clotting condition, you know, in these these six patients in the United States that we already saw with this this AstraZeneca vaccine also, you know, was a red flag. Did the federal government say there can be no more use of this temporarily or is it an optional decision that local governments make? 
You know, I I believe it's optional, but when the CDC and FDA put out, you know, an urgent kind of note about this, nobody nobody really ignores that. So mm-hmm. pretty, the FDA and the, and the CDC immediately stopped using it in their federal um, kind of operations. So any site that was using directly federal supply, but you know, California very quickly said we're not doing it either. All of the counties said we're not using it. You know ourselves. So pretty much universally, people are going to listen to that. And, yeah. you know, this is for now a temporary thing. The The CDC is and, and the FDA, they're holding a meeting on Wednesday to take a closer look at these cases and kind of figure out what they're going to do, you know, with this Johnson & Johnson moving forward. What would you expect timing wise? Any idea of when it might be used again? I suspect it will be relatively soon that we'll have an answer about what they want to do because, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're in a race here. Like, we really want to get this vaccine out to people. Um, and I think it's in everybody's interest to get kind of some answers, come to con- some conclusions about this as quickly as we can. Um, it does help in the sense that, the again, these countries in Europe has, have already been through this or we think something similar with AstraZeneca. And in those countries, they a lot of them decided either just to not use that particular vaccine, or more often, they decided to limit its use to only people in certain age groups, notably people that were like over age 60, who seemed to be not at risk at all for this particular, um, you know, serious side effect. So we may be something seeing something similar like that in the United States, where where they decide that, you know, we're not going to give it to certain, you know, populations that seem to be the ones at risk for it, but we're still going to have it in rotation. Um, You know, but but I think it remains to be seen, it certainly could be you know, off the table for for a, a couple of weeks. This seems like bad timing with um, San Francisco just announced on Tuesday that it is um, making the vaccines accessible to anybody 16 and up. And I know a lot of Bay Area counties are doing that now and all of California will on Thursday. So it seems like bad timing with with the massive number of people who will qualify starting this week. You know, it does seem that way, but um Weirdly enough, so there have been other issues with Johnson & Johnson. Specifically, there was a big manufacturing kind of um, mix-up um, a few weeks ago that re- severely reduced supply of Johnson & Johnson to California. Mm-hmm. So we were already looking at something like a 90% drop oh, wow. in in supply anyway to the state. And the counties had sort of been really frustrated with that because, like you pointed out, this rollout is starting. We're, we're opening up vaccines to everybody. And now, you know, one of our three main vaccines was in low supply. But I think now everybody's sort of like, well... You know, we were already working around that. Like we were mm-hmm. already kind of planning to work without this vaccine. Um, I think the state said today that Johnson and Johnson is only making up about four or five percent of our our supply right now. So it's not really been in wide use. Um, it turns out. Um, I think the hope had been that it would really ramp up um, and that it would be kind of filling in a lot of a lot of spaces. Um, but with that manufacturing problem, both Pfizer and Moderna had sort of stepped up and said, we're going to start, you know, really producing a lot more because we want to kind of fill in that hole. So, you know, I think that there would already been a lot of effort to kind of work around Johnson & Johnson. And now there will probably just be a lot more of it. Mm-hmm. So if we are going to lose one of the three, this is the one. 
to lose, sounds like. I don't, yeah, I mean, I guess so for that reason, um, for sure. There, I mean, there's definite downsides and it is going to have an impact because the Johnson & Johnson, you know, just to give the little background, it is that one dose vaccine. So it's the one and done. Um, and it's the one that's easiest to store because you don't have to keep it super cold, right? So you can, what that means is you can bring it out in these like mobile vaccination units that we use to reach really hard hit vulnerable communities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like Marin County, I was talking to them, they were, you know, had planned to use Johnson and Johnson this week to go out to homeless camps and vaccinate people who are homeless. And that's a great way to reach, you know, folks like that, that might be more difficult to reach, you know, with a two shot regimen or one that has to be kept hyper cold. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided they're going to go ahead and use Pfizer anyway, because they have it on hand. But that just means that now they're going to have to, you know, hope that in three weeks, the people that they vaccinated, you know, this week are going to be around again, and, you know, get those people for their second shots, it just kind of creates a real headache um, in those situations. And, you know, a couple of clinics for sure ended up, you know, postponing or canceling, um, you know, some of their appointments just because, you know, they they were counting on that Johnson and Johnson for that very reason. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Do you think this will throw off Governor Newsom's plan to reopen the California economy fully on June 15th? I don't think this alone is going to, no. Um, I think that, you know, he's, I would say he's pretty committed to that plan. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I'll say this, you know, the vaccine vaccinations have gone, I mean, really pretty remarkably well. Um, You know, most of the counties, as you pointed out, you know, started offering to 16 and over to like, you know, introducing that open season ahead of the state schedule on April 15th. So, you know, that right there is a pretty good sign. Um, And, you know, they've been moving apace even with a fairly restricted um, Johnson & Johnson supply. So I think that's going to keep kind of progressing. Um, You know, June 15th is is still two months away. And so I think that there's quite a lot of progress that can be made in that time. And so I suspect, I would be very surprised if this alone, you know, was enough to throw that off course. And hearing that it affected just the six people out of so many people who got the shot makes it sound like it's not a big deal, especially when you compare, you know, the horrible things that can happen if you get COVID-19. I know you talked to a lot of doctors on Tuesday, and what did they tell you about whether they thought this was the right call or whether the government's being too cautious? It's super important for people to keep that in mind. You know, it's they've they've administered roughly 7 million doses of this Johnson and Johnson. So out of 7 million doses to have six cases is it's literally one in a million, right? Like it's remarkably rare to have this outcome. Um, And so, you know, there are certainly some folks who thought that maybe this was a little bit, you know, erring too far on the side of caution. But most of the the doctors, the physicians I spoke to, you know, were very, you know, reasonable about this. They thought it made perfect sense to to do this pause. We have, you know, safety checks in place in this country to look for exactly these kinds of events. Mm -hmm. Um, When they when they identify them, you know, they want to study them. They want to look closely, see what's going on here, see if they can get a better understanding of what the real risk is and then kind of map out a plan moving forward. And, you know, we do this. This is something that that our, you know, vaccination, our our clinical trial system um, is designed to do. And this is how it's supposed to work. And, you know, so this is kind of a normal process in a lot of ways. Um, And I think, you know, it's it's it is important to remember that this is a very low risk. But, you know, as some doctors pointed out, 
it's not, you know, such a low risk when you're one of those six people, mm-hmm. um, you know, who's affected by this, right? So you, we tend to look at these things on a population level, like it's a, such a low risk for for the community. And, and, you know, it is so important that we get people vaccinated so that we can stop the spread of this, so we can move out of this pandemic. But, you know, this is a really, really serious side effect. So we certainly want to take, um, take care with that. I'm pretty sure you're going to be awarded a doctorate in um, COVID-19 one of these days. So I will ask you, um, I got the, J- the J&J vaccine two weeks ago. Should I be worried? And what should I do, doctor, all day? <laughs> uh, you should not be worried. Um, I would definitely tell anybody who had the vaccine that no, they should not be worried. Um, I would say, you know, certainly be thoughtful if you wake up, you know, in the middle of the night and you have a horrible headache, um, and you know, a leg pain or you have blurred vision, um, or you have just something that would be frankly alarming to you under any circumstance, mm-hmm. right? Like I hope that if you woke up in the middle of the night and had a terrible headache and blurred vision that you I'll call would, you. Yeah. <laughs> that you would, that you would <laughs> not call me. <laughs> But, you know, get yourself to an emergency room to get checked out. I mean, these are like serious enough condition uh, symptoms that they're not the kind of thing that that you're going to, you know, ignore or just sort of sit it out. Um, so it'll be pretty obvious. Yes, it would be pretty obvious. And there is treatment. I mean, one of the reasons they put this alert out is because the the kind of the way you might typically treat, you know, a blood clot or, or a stroke. I mean, these are these are strokes that we're talking about is with a particular drug that in this very rare case could actually be exactly what you don't want to give people. Mm -hmm. So they want to kind of let doctors know, hey, if you see patients with these symptoms, if you make this diagnosis and these are people who have been vaccinated, don't treat them with this drug. Um, That's not something you as a as a, you know, person who was just vaccinated should be thinking about. Um, But, you know, we just want to get that message out to doctors. And for your purposes, A, don't worry. B, if you get a really bad headache and blurred vision, then call your doctor or just go to the emergency room. Okay. And I'll text you on the way. There you go. <laughs> and so are you vaccinated yet? I am vaccinated. Well, I'm Yay! partially vaccinated because I'm I'm Pfizer. So I get my second one in a few days. Cool. And how did it feel when you got your first shot? It was amazing. It was really like, it was really emotional. I took a selfie with my vaccinator. Aw. I know. Well, you've been so deep in this for a year that it must have been especially emotional for you. It was very surreal. Um, it was, you know, what was weird about it was being so much like a mix in the story, <laughs> like having reported about all these things for so long. And then to be the one sitting in the chair getting yeah. shot in the arm was like, oh, this is I'm one of these people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And did you do anything different since you got that shot? Or are you not since you haven't gotten the second dose yet? You know, it's funny. I was just talking with somebody about this. Um, on the one hand, it's like even after one shot, I had this feeling of like, I'm invincible. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. Even though that's, of course, not the case. Anybody listening, uh, you're not actually fully immunized from these until two weeks past your second shot. Um, but I definitely felt like really that kind of power. But on and it kind of made me want to go and like, you know, hug strangers or something, which I didn't do. <laughs> Um, but it also like at the same time made me weirdly even more cautious because I was telling people, I'm like, I don't want to be one of those folks who then gets COVID-19, you know, after I've been partially vaccinated. <laughs> that would be embarrassing. <laughs> Just be, yeah, exactly. It would be really embarrassing. <laughs> and as our COVID-19 expert, what do you think life is going to be like in the coming months? Um, how optimistic are you about the governor's plan to reopen everything on June 15th? And do you think we're going to have the best summer ever or is he spiking the football too early? 
Uh, I don't know if I'd quite say best summer ever, but I actually feel really optimistic. I think it's going to be great. I think that, you know, I think certainly by June 15th, pretty much anybody who wants to be vaccinated is interested is going to be having no problem at all getting that vaccine, which I think, you know, from those of us who have been vaccinated, we're going to feel very comfortable just going out and living our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, There will probably still be some restrictions. We'll still be wearing masks in, you know, public spaces and when we're gathered in places. But, you know, frankly, at this point, most of us are pretty used to that. It's not that big of a deal. And, you know, I'll take that if I can just kind of feel like I can go about my life and not be worried about this stuff and do, you know, go to restaurants. And, you know, I'm really excited to go camping and backpacking this summer. And I mean, I'm just kind of excited to take any vacation this summer. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that anybody, you know, who's vaccinated, which, like I said, everybody will be able to by then should feel like they can go and resume almost all of their normal activities by then, which mm-hmm. is just, I mean, after this last year is going to feel fantastic. How long do you think we'll be wearing masks? That's a good question. I don't know. I just wrote a story about that. And, you know, there was some thought that they could safely remove a mask mandate once vaccines are open to to everybody who's, you know, eligible. So like the 16 and older crowd, but the states kind of hinted that they're not going to do that. So I don't know if they're going to wait until all the kids can be vaccinated just to kind of protect them and protect that kind of you know, source of of outbreaks potentially. Um, We might wait until cases get driven down to like a really low level to where we're just seeing, you know, a couple of hundred in the state a day. I think at this point, we're still at a couple thousand a day. Um, So it's it may still be a while yet that we're wearing masks, at least in most settings. I'm just kind of hoping for them to alleviate it like an outdoor setting sometime soon. I would like to go for a run or a hike without a face covering. Mm-hmm. And speaking of kids, do you anticipate school opening like normal in August or do you think there will still be push and pull on that front? My guess is it'll be pretty close to normal. Um, you know, that's that's hard to speculate on because it's been, I mean, man, has that just been so politicized and such a, a quagmire, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there certainly is plenty of room for there to be still some push and pull, but um, I just suspect that by then, you know, we'll just be in a very different space in this pandemic. Hopefully kind of everybody will have tested the waters a little bit, you know, in the spring with bringing some of the kids back. So, and, and you know, I think we're going to have uh, vaccines approved for the 12, ages 12 and up. So that's, you know, a great sign for middle schools and high schools. And if you're bringing back middle and high school students, you're not going to not have elementary school kids back in class basically mm-hmm. full time. So my guess, I'm going to put my money on, we'll be back to pretty close to normal for schools in the fall. Cool. And last question, what are you most looking forward to, assuming June 15th is the day things go back to somewhat normal? What is the first thing you want to do that you can't do now? Wow. You know, I think I want to just go out to like a beer garden or something or like someplace. Well, I don't know if it'll be allowed them by then. I was going to say to like not be wearing a mask in like some like outdoor space, maybe like get together with like some friends or coworkers at like a park and just have like a really like casual maskless, you know, gathering where we're just not having to think about those things. That, yes. That sounds really nice to me. Can I what come? about you? I want yes. to come and let's toast to the fact that we publish the Chronicle every single day of this crazy year. I know every single day. And it was not, there were some rough days in there. <laughs> <laughs> it was touch and go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good job to us, Heather. 
We're awesome. Well, on that note, thank you for joining me for another episode of All Day and Night, and I will await your invitation to meet you in the beer garden. It's happening, Heather. I feel it. Thank you to Aaron Alday for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. 